himself could stop Jesus. He finished his work on the cross, but he had only just began building his church. Today, he is still calling out to the weary, the broken, and the lost. He is still healing, changing lives, and resurrecting dead hearts. For anyone who desires to come after him, for anyone who will deny themselves and take up their cross daily, for anyone who will lose their life for his sake, they will still find life. They will still be made new. They will become Jesus followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Whew. The Lord is good, right? Man, he's doing a work right here in our midst. I'm so grateful always for our church and that the Lord is here changing lives here in our midst. So Jesus' follower, he called his disciples back in that day and Jesus is still calling people today. Amen? As, as we've heard already. And every one of us know this is true. He's calling. He invites us to walk with him. He's calling people out of their past sin. He's calling people out of their guilt. He's calling people out of their shame. He's calling people out of empty religion. He's calling them to life in him. He's calling them to new purposes. He's calling to leave some things behind and pick up some new things. This is what he's doing. And I get to hear the stories. As pastor, I get to hear some of these stories from people. Just in the last couple of weeks, I've just had more than usual come say, hey, I want to tell you what God's doing in my life. And they're powerful stories. So I know there's more out there. And I don't get to always hear them. And our people don't get to always hear them. So here's what I'd like to ask you. If you would consider letting us know what God is doing in your life now. What is the thing throughout this past series, Lord of the All, and the beginning of the Jesus Follower series? What is the fresh thing that God is doing in your life? So I'm going to put another QR code up on the screen here. You can take your phone out point your camera at that QR code. And when you do, a link will show up on your screen, on your camera. If you'll click it, it'll take you into our app. Uh, if you have our app downloaded, it'll take you to a link. And there you can answer this question or fill up the, the blank there that says, tell us how God worked in you through the Lord of the All and the Jesus Follower series. Now, I recognize there are stories from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, decades ago. Those are powerful stories too, but right now, we're just looking for what about in this last series and the start of this one? What is the fresh thing that God is doing in you? So whether you send us two sentences, two paragraphs, or two pages, please feel free to do that. It's, it's powerful to share your story it's also powerful when others get to hear those stories. Now we will, uh, I'm just gonna stand up here and all of a sudden tell everybody stories from the stage, but we'd like to find a way to, to do something like that, whether it's in print, video, or reading, or something. But we can't, we can't help put that together if we don't know the story. So send us your story and we will get with you. We'll talk about a way that we can share that story of what God is doing. Or if you just want to let it just be what you just want to tell me, that's fine. Say, don't share my story. I'm okay with that. Are you with me? Everybody good? All right. I'd love to hear what God is doing. So the thing about following Jesus, and even like Jerry this morning, people ask from time to time, well, 
how do I know that Jesus is speaking to me? How do I know that he is calling me to something? Fair question, good question. How do I hear his voice? One of the ways that you know that God is speaking to you is that he gives you something that you didn't have before. He gives you new desire. The minute he puts in you a desire to read his word, to pray with someone, to be more like Jesus, to go and reconcile with someone, to make things right in a situation, whatever it is, if he puts that in you, listen, that is from God because that is not natural to our existence. It's not. To seek God, reconcile, love someone else, give away yourself, pray for someone else, that is not natural to the human experience. And so if that shows up in your life, that is God. And it starts off as a new desire. It starts off small. But when it, when it happens, what you do is you say, yes, Lord, I will do that. I don't know how that's all going to come to pass. I can't see the end of how that's going to work out. But you say, yes, Lord, in the Old Testament, when Samuel was a young boy and God began to speak to him, he didn't know what it was. He thought it was Eli, his mentor, calling him. So he's in his bed one night and he hears a voice say, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up out of his bed and said, hey, did you call me? And Eli said, no, wasn't me. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. Samuel, Samuel, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This happened a number of times. And then finally, the priest said to Samuel, the Lord is calling you. This time, when you go back and you hear it, say, yes, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. It's the same thing for us. Out of that, Samuel knew what God's purpose for his life is because he listened and he said, I'll do it, whatever it is. And if you want to follow Jesus, you say, I don't know how to do that. You do the very next thing he tells you to do. Then you will hear his voice, and it will increase in your life, and you will recognize clearly what his voice is. So we saw a passage last week that is what Jesus said to his followers, that he speaks to us today, that says that same thing. Here we go from Luke 9, verse 23. This is our, uh, our verses from last week. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone desires, there it is, if you desire to come after me, if you have any sense of wanting to walk with me, come after me, see what I do, be changed by me. If you have any desire in that, then let him deny himself, tell your old desires no, tell your new desire yes, and take up your cross daily and follow me. Come on after me. Do what I do. Go where I go. Do what I say. As you do this, you will learn to follow him. So our message last week was followers embrace 
their cross. We, we embrace dying to who we were. But today, we're going to look at the very next thing that Jesus said in our message today called Followers Embrace the Desire. When the desire is there, you embrace it. You chase after it. You don't deaden it. You don't deny it. You follow it. You go with it. You do what Jesus said. Here's the next thing that Jesus said. Before we do that, let me, let me do this. Here's our Bible reading verses for this week. If you want to take a picture of this, man, we're using your, using your phone a lot today, right? Take a picture of the screen here. Here's some Bible reading that goes along with this message. And you can follow along all this week and keep up with uh, where God is. Like, you'll hear him speak, I believe, if you'll read his word. And it goes right along with the message for today. This is also on our social media. It'll be on the app today as well. So here's your Bible reading for this week. Now, let's look at Luke 9, 24. The very next thing that Jesus said, here's what he said. For whoever desires, there it is again, if you desire to save your life, you will lose it. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Let's break this down and hear what Jesus is saying. Here's the first part of this. The first part of 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Jesus said, I'm going to have to draw a line in the sand for you guys and for everyone because if you are attempting to live your life on your own without me, without any consideration of God's purpose for you, God's love for you, God's desire for you, God's design for you, if you're just saying, I will, I will take care of my own life. I don't need Jesus. I don't need church. I don't need other believers. I don't need anything. I just, I'm going to live my life on my own. If you attempt to just save your life on your own, you will, Jesus said, you'll end up losing it. Now let's look about, let's look and see what save your life means. Here are some things that save your life means. I know you probably can't write fast enough to get all this down. You're free to take a picture. It does not bother me at all that you got your phone out in church. It's totally fine and good. If you're attempting to save your life, it looks like this. You're trying to protect your image. You're all about looking a certain way. You're all about, I don't want anybody to see me weak, sweat. I don't want anybody to see me vulnerable. I don't want, to see anybody, I don't want anybody to see me cry. I don't want anybody to see me in a place of need. Well, you've come to a bad spot if you want to follow Jesus because all of that is necessary. You're going to have to give up trying to save, protect, keep your own life. You're going to have to give up trying to protect your image. You're going to have to give up refusing to change. If you're trying to live your life refusing to do what Jesus wants you to do, you're trying to save your own life. If you're trying to hide your sin rather than confess your sin, you're trying to save your own life. If you're trying to blame everybody else for what's going on in your life instead of accepting responsibility, you're trying to save yourself. If you're trying to be liked by everyone, therefore standing for nothing, you're trying to save your own life. If you're trying to justify yourself and everything that you do, even what you do is wrong, if you're trying to justify it, you're trying to save yourself. If you're if refusing to admit you're ever wrong, you're trying to save yourself. You're trying to protect you. You're making life all about you. If you're only doing what you want to do and not what's necessary for others and what's glorifying to God, you're trying to save yourself. If you're trying to punish yourself for your sins, you're trying to save yourself. 
if you think you've got to somehow beat yourself up enough, tell yourself enough terrible things about yourself, um, then you're trying to save yourself instead of accepting the fact that Jesus took your punishment. And if you're refusing to obey God, you're trying to save your own life. You're trying to do it your way. You're trying to do it all about you. You're trying to save yourself. And Jesus said, if you're trying to save yourself, you're in a bad spot. This would be like someone who was drowning, refusing help from anyone else and saying, I got it, I got it, I can do this. You can't. If you are someone who is choking and you're trying to save yourself, you need the help of someone else to come alongside you. If you are having a heart attack, you need the help of someone else. You can't say in those moments, I can do this. I don't need anybody else's help. Get away from me. I don't want to look foolish. I don't need anybody around me. You will lose your life. And Jesus said it. If you're attempting to save yourself, protect your image, look good, be religious enough, pay off your sin, do enough to somehow earn favor in heaven. You are trying to save yourself and it will not work. In fact, Jesus said you will lose your life. Here are some things that lose your life looks like. You'll end up unfulfilled. You'll spend the entirety of your life looking for something to make you feel good and it will never be enough. You'll live depressed. You'll live anxious. You'll have a trail of broken relationships behind you because life is all about you. You'll have anger issues. You'll be insecure. You'll have sleeplessness at night because you can't ever come to peace with God. You'll self-medicate. You'll get into addictions and you'll have no peace not with God and anyone else. This is what Jesus was talking about. You'll have no life in this life, and in fact, the person who ultimately tries to save themselves and reject Jesus, you will lose your life in eternity as well. But Jesus said, it'll happen here, and it can happen there. Sadly, there are some Christians who even have confessed the name of Jesus but they are unwilling to live their life for his glory. They're still trying to save themselves, protect themselves, look good, and as a result, they will lose their life. And this stuff starts playing out in Christians' lives even, and Christians say, well, I just don't know why God's against me. Here's the deal. God is not against you. In reality, you are against him when you refuse to yield all things to him. Right? That's ultimately what it is. He's not against us. But if our heart is against yielding, surrendering, if we're the ones saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not gonna do, I am not gonna do that. I am not gonna go to them. I am not gonna reconcile. I am not gonna repent. I am not gonna change. I'm not gonna break this habit. I'm not gonna seek the Lord. I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. You're the one against in that moment. But Jesus offers hope and he says this, but whoever will lose his life for my sake, he'll save it. 
you will save, you will find life happen. So here's what that looks like. If you're willing to lose your life for Jesus' sake, you'll be ready to humble yourself. You'll be ready to look weak in front of others. You'll be okay with that. You'll be okay with admitting you're wrong. You'll be ready to turn from even the vices in your life. You'll, you will recognize that has never worked. The self-medicating, the turning to things to try to ease your mind, feel good, take the edge off, all that stuff. When you're willing to lose all of that for Jesus' sake, you'll find life on the other side. You heard Jerry say this morning, I've had four men in the last month come to me out of this church and say, I am giving up this vice I had for Jesus' sake because he's calling me to something greater. God's at work. It's right here in this church. Amen. Hey, those are just four that people came and told me about. Not because I got up here and gave some, you know, loud, angry message about give up your vices, right? That hadn't happened here. We've lifted up Jesus and the calling that he has and people are choosing to follow him. So you'll turn from your vices. You'll begin to seek reconciliation. This is what it means to lose your life for Jesus' sake. So now you'll recognize I have done something to a friend a brother, a family member, and I will go, although I have no clue how this is going to turn out, I will go and attempt to make things right. This is losing your life for Jesus' sake. Surrendering everything, going public with your faith. You're going to see here in just a few minutes, a couple be baptized. You're going to go public with their faith right here. You'll trust him in some areas that you've never trusted him before. You'll love sacrificially. In fact, you can't really love if you're not doing it sacrificially. If you're only doing something for someone else because of what it gives to you, that is not love. Love lays down its life for someone else. And you begin to rewrite your priorities. This is what it looks like to lose your life for Jesus' sake, for his glory, for his purposes, and when you start doing that, Jesus said, but the one who will lose their life for my sake, here's what will happen. They will find life. And here's what that looks like. They'll begin to have peace with God. They'll begin to be able to put their head on their pillow at night and know, I am right with God. The Lord is good. They'll have freedom from the guilt. They won't carry around the chains and the weight of their past. There'll be a release all of a sudden from all the pressure to have to meet everybody else's expectations, to try to have to perform enough, to try to have to be religious enough, to try, to try, to try, to try. They'll all of a sudden find release from all that. They'll find new desires welling up within them. When you say yes to the desire that Jesus puts in your heart, it will expand and only get greater. That's the way it works. You'll find new meaning for living. You'll see God move in your life. You'll see relationships healed. You'll see prayers answered. You'll start having victory over sin. 
You'll start having more power to say no to some things because you all of a sudden are saying yes to Jesus and you'll all of a sudden see heaven open for you. You'll see heaven come down. You'll see life happen in your life because you choose to lose your life for Jesus' sake. This is what he invites us to. He invites us to give ourselves away for his sake. And the thing is, for all of us, this introduces some interesting tension in our life. This is true for me. It's true for you. Whenever God begins to speak, there's a tension that develops. Because in the tension, you're having to leave behind your past. You're having to leave behind how you've thought, how you've related. And that tension starts to come into play because it's painful, because it's awkward, and because it's new, and it means giving up, and it means surrendering. So I, I thought of it like, like this. So I've got a rubber band here. Rubber bands are meant to be in tension. In fact, there's not much purpose for a rubber band just laying on the table. Rubber bands are meant to be in tension like this. That's when they're doing their thing. But the thing about our life and our soul is we weren't meant to live in this kind of tension all the time, wrestling back and forth between what we want to do and what Jesus wants us to do. And the tension keeps us bound. You can't ever get free. You're stuck in a bad pattern of relationships. You're stuck in a habitual sin. You're stuck in some soul issues within you, your own emotions and your mind. You've got some unhealthy things happening there because the tension is there. Maybe the tension is in your marriage. Maybe the tension is in family dynamics because you want to do it the way you used to do it. And the way you used to do it is not working. And Jesus begins to speak to you and the tension starts to increase and this is what you feel typically when you come into a service like this, or when you sit down to read your Bible at home, or you're praying, you start to feel the tension. You feel Jesus calling you, but you feel the pull back in the other direction as well. And you think, I want to go and follow Jesus, but and it's just so difficult. The flesh just cries out, and you live in this tension in between. This is where the Holy Spirit is speaking. And you weren't meant to live in this tension like this. Sadly, what a lot of people do is when they feel the tension, they say, it's just too great. And they just go back to this. And this is nothing. This keeps you in bondage. This is lifeless. This is frustrating. The real thing to do is when the tension starts developing, is when the moment gets tight and Jesus starts calling and your flesh begins to raise up and your pride and your arrogance are pushing, the way to respond is to keep saying yes to Jesus until finally the tension breaks. That is when freedom comes, when you're willing to break, when you're willing to humble yourself. If not, you'll just stay in the tension and you'll wonder why life is so miserable You'll wonder why your marriage is not working. You'll wonder why your finances are a wreck. You'll wonder why your children 
are rebelling against you. You'll wonder why you're not having any influence with people around you. You'll just wonder what in the world. It's because we refuse to lose our life for Jesus' sake all the way in. We're more interested in trying to protect and save and keep our life rather than give it up fully for Jesus. It's a moment of tension. The beauty of what you heard from Jerry, what you're about to see in baptisms, are stories of people in full surrender. Jesus designed baptism to be something that was public, that was an all-in moment. Once it, once it happens, you don't have anything to do with it. It's all in the hands of the person baptizing you and the water, right? You're all in in that moment. It's a beautiful picture of the death of Jesus for us, the resurrection of Jesus, and the death of our old self that says, I'm through resisting, and now I'm all in to follow you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I'm confident that God is speaking right now in this place, that you recognize some of the places of tension in your own life, that you recognize and hear the Spirit of God calling you, and it's time to say yes this morning to that. Say yes to that desire. Embrace the desire. Even though you might not know what that's going to look like, embrace the desire. Father, I thank you for your word and your spirit that are alive in this place today. I thank you that you are calling us out of our past. You're calling us out of our sin. You're calling us out of the darkness, out of the guilt, out of the fear. You're calling us out of all of that. And you're calling us into new life. You're calling us into hope. You're calling us into freedom. You're calling us into forgiveness. You're calling us into a new way of life. And I pray that we would let go of our fears and our arrogance and our doubts and chase after you. That we would chase the embrace and do what you've called us to do for there we will find life. So I thank you for what you're doing here this morning. I thank you for the picture of baptism we're about to see, what that illustrates and what it shows us about the new life that we have in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.